Welcome to the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. We're getting ready to have an old-fashioned line-on-line, precept-on-precept study of God's Word to search out those deeper truths and gain a greater understanding of the Bible. We would love for you to join us today as we dig in and learn what it is God would truly have us to know from the letter that He wrote to us. Hello there and welcome into the study today. God bless you. We're glad to have you. We're going to be starting a new book, the book of Revelation. Now, there's a lot of confusion and a lot of misinformation about this book. And, you know, one one of the things a lot of folks say that it's not for us to understand the book of Revelation. And they're kind of showing their ignorance in that because the word revelation means the unveiling. Or the revealing. So, if God would to, it, when God put this book in here, whenever He gave this revelation to John, and He said, "Write this down and spread it to everybody," then why wouldn't we need to learn that? And then again, you've got some that'll say, "Well, you don't need to know the Book of Revelation because that's during the, <clears throat> excuse me, that's during the tribulation, and you're not going to be here for that." Well, then that nullifies so much of the Bible, and it's simply not true. Now, the confusion in this is, you know, people find it hard with the symbolism and and all that, but what you got to do is be sure to keep your subject, keep your time frame, and where everything's at. This book is very chronological, and... Basically, if you can count to seven, you can get through this book because that's what you've got. You've got the seven seals, seven trumps, and seven vials, and God does a great job of explaining exactly what's going to happen. Now, it does swap between heaven and earth throughout the structure of the book, but that's all right. We'll stick with the subjects, and we'll, we'll just work right through this and get it all figured out. All right, so we will go ahead and jump right into it revelation chapter 1 verse 1 we ask for clarity and understanding from our father in jesus name and verse 1 reads the revelation of jesus christ which god gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass now see he said to show unto his servants we are supposed to know this we're his servants and he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant john now that's the angel of the lord Verse 2, who bear a record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. What it's saying is that John has written this down and he's telling you everything that he saw. Verse 3, blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. Now see, we got to the third verse and it says, blessed is he that readeth. And they that hear the words. So if we're not meant to know this, then why would in the third verse it says, Blessed are those that read it. We're supposed to know this book. Verse 4. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come and from the seven spirits which are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth. 
unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. He paid that sacrifice for us for one and all time so that we wouldn't have to worry about death. He's the first begotten of death. He was the one that through him we received that resurrection. He has victory over death. Verse 6, And hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And that means that's that. that he's got the glory and he's got the dominion forever. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. Now, if we go back to Acts chapter 1, verse 10 and 11, let's talk about this. He comes with the clouds, because this, you know, sometimes this throws some folks. They misinterpret a few verses and, and get a whole other doctrine out of this. Acts chapter 1. Verse 10, now the, the disciples are standing on the uh, Mount of Olives and Christ has just told them in 50 days, which would be Pentecost, I'm going to send the, the Holy Spirit. Verse 10, and while they looked steadfastly towards heaven, as he went up, Christ is being uh, taken into heaven, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, this being angels. Which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you in heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him as you have seen him go into heaven. He's gonna come back the exact way that he left. All right. Verse eight back in Revel in Revelations. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. You see, time does not mean anything to God. Time is a thing that humans put on stuff. A time to wake up, a time to eat breakfast, a time to go to work, a time to come home, time to go to sleep, and time to do it all over again. That's a human thing, a flesh thing. That God is not restrained by time. Verse 9. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. So what he's saying here is he's our brother. He's in the flesh. And he's gone through this tribulation. He's gone through this suffering because of the word, because of the gospel of Christ. And he was teaching this gospel, and he was exiled to Patmos for that. Verse 10, I, this is John, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. Now, that doesn't say that the church was taken to the Lord's day. It says I, John, was taken to the Lord's day. Now, what's the Lord's day? It's that time at the seventh trump, as it says in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 8, a day with the Lord is a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. It's the beginning of the millennium. That's what this, the, the Lord's day is, is that millennium. So he is taken to this first day of the millennium at the sound of the, second tr uh, the seventh trump. And then he picks up from there, verse 11. 
saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, seest, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, and unto Smyrna, and unto Pergamos, and unto Thyatira, Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. Now there's your seven churches. Verse 12. I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. Uh-oh, we got some symbolism here. Now, don't let it spook you, because it's going to be interpreted. Verse 13. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks was one like unto the Son of Man, that being Christ, clothed with a garment down to the foot and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. He's getting ready. What's he getting ready for? He's the bridegroom. He's getting ready for that marriage of, of the Lamb. Verse 14. His head and his hairs were white like his wool and white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, just pure, all purity. And his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice was the sound of many waters. Meaning powerful and smooth, all at the same time. And when he... And, and, and he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. Now, why would it be that? That's the glory of God. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 29, we're told that at that time, at the seventh trump, immediately after the tribulation of the Antichrist, the sun will, will not shine. And the moon will not give its light. Why is that? Because the glory of God shows up and outshines all of it. Now, this two-edged sword, some people get a little scared whenever they start seeing swords and stuff, and it means war and it means all this other stuff. This two-edged sword that comes out of his mouth, you can also read of in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, and the sword of the Lord is the word of God. It cuts both ways. Verse 17, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. That, that glory just overcame him. He couldn't stand in the presence. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and have the keys of hell and of death. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 54 and 55 tells us that he overcame death. And it says, there, there, O death, where is thy victory, and grave, where is thy sting? He defeated death. He has defeated Satan. Satan's a dead man walking. He's just got a little too much pride to accept that. He thinks he can still win. But he can't. Verse 19 Write these things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. All right, so he's fixing to start writing all this down. Verse 20, the mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand. Now he's going to tell us what this means. And the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. The angels, you, angels can also be messengers. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. Now, why would candlesticks represent churches? 
because the churches are supposed to give off the light. They're supposed to light the world with the truth of God to guide folks, to be able to allow people to see. Now, the bad thing is there's not very, very lights aren't shining very bright these days. All right, chapter 2 and verse 1. And to, well, before we get into this, let me say there are seven churches. Out of these seven churches, there are only two which Christ found favor with, that he didn't find anything wrong with. That would be Smyrna and Philadelphia. All right, chapter 2 and verse 1. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, and how thou canst, canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles, and are not, as, and hast found them liars. That's a good thing. They're, they're, they're trying to do good right there. And has borne and has patience, and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. That's sounding pretty good. That, that's not bad at all. Nevertheless, I have somewhat, somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. They became apostates. How could that happen? They were doing so good. They were following, they, they had patience and they were laboring and they were calling those out who were false apostles, false prophets. But then at that sixth trump, when the Antichrist showed up, they left their first love and they began following the Antichrist. Verse 5, Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works. So they have a chance there. Get yourself back straight. Get back on the right path. You you done swerved off over here. You you kind of you you got little little uh, blurry vision. You followed the wrong Christ. Get get back right. Come back over here for the seventh trump sounds. That's what he's saying. Or else. I will come unto thee quickly, and I will, re will remove thy candlestick out of its place, except thou repent. He's going to take their light from them. But if thou, but this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the, Nickelodeon, uh, the, the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the seven churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So he's, he's giving them this chance. He's telling them, look, y'all have done really good. You did really good right up until you pulled a 180. But you still got a chance to straighten this out. Verse 8, And unto the angel of the church of Smyrna, Right. Now, pay attention to what he tells Smyrna, because this is one of the churches that's good to go. These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. I know thy works and tribulation. All right. You notice this is one of the good churches, and they're in the tribulation. It happens. We're not going anywhere. We're going to be right here. we got to fight this. 
by fighting this, I mean we got to stand against the Antichrist. And poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Now, we've heard that before. In John chapter 8, verse 44, Christ nails it on the Pharisees, on the high priest. And he said, you are of your father the devil. That synagogue of Satan that has come in and pretends to be the high holy order of whatever, everywhere. But they're not. Verse 10, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Now, what's that mean, be thou faithful unto death? That means that don't worry about the devil. You see, God also will say he, he allows Satan as an antichrist to have rule on the earth and to do whatever, pretty much whatever he wants to do, what he says, touch not mine anointed. And these from Smyrna who are cast into prison, that they may be tried. This is that time whenever they are to be delivered up and the Holy Spirit will speak through them. Given that testimony of God that even convinces the naysayers because it's not us speaking, but the Spirit of God speaking through us. Verse 11. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not hurt of the second death. Now, what is this second death? The second death is the death of the Spirit. For those who don't overcome, at the end of the millennium, at the white throne judgment, those who have not decided to follow God and to love God will receive the second death. All right, verse 12. And to the angel of the church in Pergamos write, these things saith he which hath the sharp sword with two edges. I know thy works, and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is. And thou holdest fast my name, and hast not denied my faith, even in those days wherein Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you, where Satan dwelleth. Now Antipas is uh, a witness who is faithful through the tribulation. Verse 14, But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam. Now, what is this doctrine of Balaam? In Numbers chapter 22 to 25, we see that Balaam will preach for money. If you, he, he was getting paid off by a king to prophesy against Israel. And for idol worship. So all he's doing is, is tickling the ears and, and just trying to rack up all the money he can using God's word and, and to do it. Not necessarily God's word, but kind of fumbling around here and fumbling around there and making people feel good and, and never gets around to really teaching the word of God. Who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols and to commit fornication. As fornication would be idolatry. You know, 
we as humans, we can't really understand what idolatry means because we're not designed to be worshipped. Only God is. But we do know what adultery is. We, can, we, we have that sense of understanding that. So a lot of times whenever you see fornication or adultery, it's really God trying to express to us the, the idolatry side of things and how he feels about it. Verse 15. So hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which things I hate. Well, now that's not good. They just kind of have a mixed bag here. Repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. What is that? He's going to come through and knock them down with the truth. Verse 17, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna. And I will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name, written with which no man knoweth, saving he that receive it. Verse 18, And unto the angel of the church of Thyatira, write, These things saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. I know thy works, thy charity and service, the faith, thy patience, and thy works. And the last to be more than the first. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. Now, what is this Jezebel? This is the whore of Babylon that we'll get into, and it being those that just follow right in with the Antichrist. They're just set up hook, line, and sinker, and here they go. They're on his wagon. They're getting ready to fly out of here. And I gave her space, verse 21, and I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Well, why would she? She's in bed with the Antichrist. She's in bed with Satan. Verse 22, Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into, the great, into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. That's God's wrath coming through. What he's saying is, if you want to lie, if you want to receive that, that doctrine of the Antichrist, you're going to be cast right there with this Jezebel. Basically, you're running around on Christ when you do it. That's what he's trying to get his point across there. Verse 23, And I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he which searches the reins and hearts, and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. But unto you, I say, and unto the rest of Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, and which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden, but that which ye have already hold fast till I come. But that, that which ye have already hold fast till I come. Now what's that saying right there? You can be right in the middle of God's wrath, of the pouring out of that cup. And if you're in good standing with God, It'll just be the warming fire, the warming feeling of his spirit coming over you. Whereas 
for those that aren't, it will be that consuming fire raining down on them. You see, he has that ability to not destroy everything, but those even in the middle of the most wicked, if they are good and they are doing the best they can and following God, the true God, they won't be harmed. Verse 26, And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give the power over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my father, and I will give him the morning star. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. All right, we'll get into chapter 3 just a little bit here. Chapter 3 and verse 1. And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou liveth and art dead. So that can confuse some people, but what that means is to live and are dead means you can be alive in Christ and dead to the world. They have a, a worldly name, but they're spiritually dead, is what that is, what this means. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. It means if they don't strengthen up, they're going to get deceived. That's where that, that them having, they're alive in the world, but spiritually are dead. They've got some work to do as far as learning the truth. Because when that deceiver comes, unless they strengthen themselves, they will fall for the Antichrist. Verse 3. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. If, therefore, thou shalt not watch. And what are we supposed to be? We're supposed to be watchmen. We're supposed to be looking out. We're supposed to be seeing the signs and the seasons and and being prepared. I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Why is that? Because they'll think that the Antichrist is the true Christ. So they won't be expecting the true Christ to show up. They'll think he's already here. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he shows up like a thief in the night and catches them all off guard by surprise. Verse 4, Thou hast a few names even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Now see, there's that individual salvation again. Just because the whole multitude is walking off the cliff don't mean that, that those who are doing right are going to be following. He'll save those out of the midst of all the evil. Verse 5, he that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment and will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Now, again, we have this, there, there's a little bit of repetition going on as to okay, you know, you've been doing pretty good here. You're slipping here. You're fixing to fall for the Antichrist. 
but not all of you. There's a few of you doing good. Y'all better repent. These few are going to be okay, but the rest of you might be in a bind. And he's given these churches, and this isn't literal churches. This is pretty well just showing the doctrines that are in the world today. And he's, and he's describing, hey, if you're following this doctrine, ah, you need to come back around over here. You, you're veering off path a little bit. If you're following this doctrine, uh, you're going to be fooled. If you're following the doctrine of Smyrna, hey, you're doing okay. Hang in there. You're going to be all right. Now, in the next study, we'll get into verse 7, and we'll get into Philadelphia, the other church, the only other church that is approved of Christ in this book of Revelation. God bless y'all. Y'all have a great day. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions that you'd like answered on the podcast, you can write to us at Humans Under Grace, P.O. Box 1467, Tatum, Texas, 75691, or you can email us at questions at humansundergrace.com. Thank you, and God bless you.